0: You're listening to the Language Assistance Podcast, brought to you by the British Council. For more information about the British Council or the Language Assistance Programme, please visit BritishCouncil.org. Hi Beth, how are you? Hi Bethan, I'm fine. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast.
1: Nice to be here.
0: Cool, so as you know, we've had quite a few previous episodes now. And a lot of those episodes are focused on things that the language assistants need to prepare before going or general settling into the country kind of topics. But what we haven't touched on so far is the actual role and teaching. So I thought we would get you involved because, well, you'll talk about your experience in a second. I thought we could talk about how assistants should prepare themselves for the actual teaching part of their their experience. So for the purpose of the listeners, did you want to introduce yourself and explain a little bit about your background?
1: Yes, Um, so I'm currently working on the language assistance program, mainly for the German-speaking side. So my name is Beth McNichol. Any assistants will have had um, many emails from me if you're going to Germany, Austria or Switzerland. Um, But in the past, I was a teacher for six years of French and German, um, and I've worked with language assistants, mainly German assistants in the classroom. Um, And when I was at university, I was also a language assistant in Austria. So um, I feel I can share some tips with you today about preparing for your time in school, working with pupils, working with mentors, and the types of things you might want to bring with you to help with your lesson planning when you're away.
0: Should we start there then? Would you have any tips for people before they go to the actual country?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, So one of the main things that you can do is gather some authentic resources to bring with you. And what we mean by authentic resources is things like maybe pictures or maps of your hometown, um, a copy of a local newspaper, local magazine. You may want to bring um, some things that are relevant to you if you're interested in a sport or um, sometimes it's nice to bring some books, some children's books from your childhood or anything like that. Um, Obviously without loading your suitcase up too much, um, bringing a few things like that can just bring the language alive for the pupils, um, can be helpful for your first few days. Sometimes the, the teachers will keep it very general at the start from what they want you to do, and you may be asked to present a bit about yourself, a bit about where you're from, what your hobbies and interests are, And obviously you would need to tailor that to the different age groups that you're working with. But if you have something to work with, um, particularly an authentic resource or something you can pass around the room, it will really help you in preparing and help the pupils get to know you at the start. That's such
0: a good idea. And I mean, I... I grew up mainly in Nottinghamshire, so I took loads of Robin Hood things to explain where I'm <laughs> from. So I well, I worked in a primary school, so I tried to keep it fun, and I just took some like, little Robin Hood hats, like Maid Marian um, headbands, postcards. I think are good. Did, what did you take when you went abroad?
1: Yeah, so I'm from Northern Ireland, um, and I'm from a place called Hillsborough. There's a big castle. Um, you may have heard of Hillsborough Castle so I brought a lot of brochures from there and um, I also brought just some kind of general information in Northern Ireland from the tourist office so anything like that. Um, I also was, was happy enough to talk about my family and um, so you may or may not feel comfortable doing that that's totally up to you and um, but particularly with some of the younger groups I brought a few photographs of my sister and uh, things like that so um, all of that was really really helpful and kind of brought the language alive For the pupils and allowed the the pupils get to know a little bit about me as well. And I think
0: magazines as you said are a really really good one so particularly if you're working with older students they're very likely to have the same interests as teenagers in the UK Um, and I think those kind of authentic resources like magazines and that kind of thing are nice for them to have or to have in the classroom because it makes a difference from For them to use rather than textbooks. So you're bringing actual authentic current materials that they're probably going to be more interested in.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Um, and I mentioned before that, you know, I've been a teacher before and I've worked with German assistants in the classroom. And our German assistant in one of the schools I worked in brought in a whole load of magazines, and the pupils were just really excited to see the difference. They learned some interesting, more colloquial expressions, and they like finding out what music um, teenagers and other countries are interested in. So, yeah, I agree. They really are a great resource. And, you know, assistants don't need to go out and buy a whole load of things. You may be able to to get some more family and friends and just bring along what you can really.
0: And we spoke in a previous podcast about what assistants should do once they receive their school allocation and we talked briefly about some of the questions they might want to ask in the early stages. With your experience being a teacher what would be the key questions you would ask your mentor or your school before you went? What are the key bits of information you need to know?
1: Yeah, so definitely linking back to the authentic resources, when you're in email contact with your mentor, ask what topics are coming up at the start of the year? Can I bring anything along with me? So that would be a really good question to ask. Um, And also, you know, the the teacher may or may not have your timetable at that stage. Anyone who's worked in a school before will know that sometimes timetables are decided, you know, a day before the pupils arrive in September. Sometimes they are set well in advance. Um, But if the teacher has your timetable ready, you can ask what age group you're working with. Some assistants might find that they're generally working with older pupils, for example, in Austria. A lot of assistants will be working with older pupils, but in other countries like like France and and other countries as well, you may find you're working with younger pupils, even primary. So you can ask your mentor, you know, do you have a rough idea of what age group I'll be working with? And that will, again, help just your your thinking. Um, I would definitely advise assistants to have a few kind of ideas for activities, even in mind, that you might do in those first few days. Obviously, you will have an observation period of about a week, but don't be surprised if the teacher says, can you just tell us a bit about yourself? Because rather than having you sitting in the classroom um, for a whole week, you might just tell the class a little bit about yourself. And if you have even a few PowerPoint slides ready to go, um, it would be very likely that you would be asked to do that in your first week. So even, as I mentioned before, a photograph, a few bullet points, something like that would be really helpful. Also, you don't always need a PowerPoint. So even just kind of your own thoughts on, on how you might introduce yourself to your class would be really helpful as well. And if you know the age group in advance, that will really help you in your kind of thinking and planning about that.
0: Yeah, the first week can be a bit daunting and it is likely your school will be very excited for you to be there and they can throw you into those circumstances. I think it's better to be prepared for it in case it happens rather than get caught out. Um some other things I think people should ask quite early on would be about what they should wear to school. So some schools will be super informal, some schools, for example, in China, they might expect you to dress smarter. I know when I was in Spain, they were super chilled because I was the language assistant and they wanted me to kind of present myself as just a like usual British person so they want they were like just come come as you would normally dress when you're at university so I used to wear jeans trainers dresses and that kind of thing obviously it had to be appropriate to be in a school I wouldn't go in anything short or revealing or anything like that um my school relax but you may find your school would want you to dress smarter so it's really important that you think about that before you go so that you don't arrive and don't have the the correct clothing
1: yeah, I definitely think that's important to ask as well. And as you said, most of the time, schools will be happy for you to, to be a bit more informal as a language assistant. But in, in your first few days, you may want to opt for more smart casual and just see what the other teachers are wearing, really. But obviously as well, you know, teachers will, will have the same thoughts on this. You want to be comfortable um, and, you know, you're going to be moving around the classroom, working with pupils. So comfort as well as kind of fitting into what, what other staff are wearing.
0: Cool. So should we talk a little bit about the first days in school? So do you have any tips or advice that assistants should think about? It can be very daunting, their first days.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So if, if you're lucky, your mentor may arrange for a tour of the school for you. And if they don't and ask for that the the best advice I was given is to ask if a few pupils can bring you round because that's a way um, to get to know some of the pupils in the school find out where your classrooms are that's probably one of the most important things Um, teachers tend to have their own classroom but obviously assistants will be moving to different classrooms and when the bell goes you'll need to get maybe to the other side of school so do make sure you know which classrooms you're going to be in and that you know where they are and and also which teachers you'll be working with. You can also ask for their email addresses in case you can't catch them throughout the school day. Um, Another very useful bit of advice is to ask for your mentor's timetable and also for any teachers you're working with. Um, Your mentor will give you um, your own timetable, but if you have other people's timetables as well, you'll know where to find them or where to catch them when they maybe have a free lesson. Sometimes teachers are very, very busy throughout the day and you may want to catch up with them to check what you're going to be doing in the next lesson. And if you know when they're free, then you can I can go and have a quick chat with them. Um, I would also make sure you know where the staff room is. I'm sure you will find that out on your first day and spend a lot of time there just chatting to teachers, even from other departments. Try to keep in the target language as best you can, particularly in the staff room, because it's a really good way In the school, you'll mainly be speaking English, obviously, to the pupils. But obviously, you can meet people um, in your school and make friends with them and get to know them. So I would advise you to try to get to know teachers from other departments as well. Know where the staff room is, know where the canteen is. You may want to eat there at lunchtime to get to know people as well.
0: Often, staff rooms can be daunting places. And one of the best bit of advice that I got from a a previous language assistant was um, befriend everyone. So you wanna quickly make friends with the caretaker, the dinner, dinner, lunchtime staff, as many people as you can because you're never gonna, you don't know when you're gonna need help from these people. And one thing I did, and I'm so glad I did, is I took Marks and Spencer's biscuits with me into the staff room on the first day. So at lunch, by having that and opening that in the staff room, suddenly you're creating opportunity for the staff to come to you and talk to you. Because sometimes when uh, people are really busy, they will be excited to see you, but we have had cases where assistants have felt a bit daunted by going to the staff room on their first lunch break and everyone doesn't really talk to them. And it's not that they're not interested, it's just that they're really busy. But by taking that box of biscuits in, Immediately, even if staff just came up quickly to get one, they'll have said, oh, hi, my name is such and such. So then you're making name, uh, putting faces to names really, really quickly, even if they don't have that 10 minutes to stop and chat to you. And like, it was the best advice I ever had. So maybe consider, even if you pick up something in the airport on the way, but um, yeah, you can't go wrong with a, with a box of British biscuits.
1: I think that's such a good idea and as you're saying there you know I've, I've been a teacher in schools for years and um, before I started this role and in September teachers have just come back from their holiday they're trying to get everything sorted they're dashing to the photocopier before their lesson and they'll be really happy to meet the language assistant but as you've just said they will be busy so that's a really good idea bringing in biscuits and um, kind of making those opportunities to talk to people as best you can and um, it is important as well to kind of gauge when a teacher is very busy. So if someone looks like they're dashing off to a lesson, it might not be the best time to have a chat to them. But I'm sure, you know, as assistants will find those times to sit down and, and chat to people. And also um, just ask teachers, are there any clubs coming up or any trips or anything like that? Um, I often tell a story when I was in Austria, um, one of the mass teachers was a singer and he asked me to join a choir And um, I said, okay, I'm not the best singer, but I'll go along. And singing in German, I'd never done that before. And I went along and I was the youngest there by about 30 years. Um, This was really a choir for older people. And there were some people in their kind of 80s in the choir, but I'm really glad that I went along. And I went every week and the teacher um, encouraged me to go along. And actually the the staff might invite you to random things um, or uh, people invited me for dinner with their family, um, uh, teachers from other departments as well. And it can be just a really nice way to get to know other people in the area. Um, And even if it's not your thing, just say yes and go along. Um, And If I can sing in a German choir for um, an hour a week, then you can try something new. And don't don't be worried about trying something new. Teachers will just be interested to have you there and might invite you along to some things. So do try to get to know the teachers and also any trainee teachers that might be working in the school. That can be a really nice group of people to get to know as well.
0: So generally people will get given a mentor when they arrive at their school. Do you have any advice for interacting with your mentor and what to do maybe if they are not as supportive?
1: definitely I would definitely say working with your mentor is a two-way process obviously you know they've been appointed to keep an eye on you and to to set your timetable to check in with you to make sure you're working with a variety of classes and all those things but obviously they are teachers as well and they'll have their their own timetable so they will try to schedule in some time with you to catch up on what you might need to do in lessons but as I said it's a two-way process and do try to suggest ideas to to them see what's coming up next they may not always have a huge amount of time to sit down with you um, but do make sure that you are proactive as well in asking mentors what you can do um, and if you can plan anything in advance as well um, and the the timetable often assistants have questions about how many hours they're going to teach etc it does vary a bit across different countries, but it tends to be around the kind of 12 to 13 hour mark. And um, Schools will try their best to make sure that your timetable is reasonable, but obviously their, their first priority has to be the pupils and when their lessons are, and also how the timetable works in with the school generally. So you may get your timetable ta- time and it's perfect for you. You may have a day off and that works out really well. You may not, and um, but feel free to discuss that with your mentor you know if you have a long break in the middle of the day sometimes assistants might find they've got a lesson in the morning and they don't have one until again until the afternoon um, if that really doesn't doesn't suit you, your mentor may be able to look into that. But remember, they may not as well, because it just depends on what the classes are. But, you know, ha- have a discussion with your mentor and, and see what they say. And really, that should be kind of a, a, an open dialogue between the two of you to get a, a timetable that fits the needs of the school and the pupils and also is reasonable for the language assistant as well.
0: Yeah, and I think for language assistants, if they do end up with big breaks during their day, I know it can be frustrating, you can utilise that term really well if you've got a big period of time, maybe you can organise tutoring in your local area if you're able to go in and out of the school if it's a big substantial amount of time. You can use that time to prepare other lessons so that you're not preparing activities outside of the school hours. I actually use that time to get involved more with the school, so I'm quite sporty i love sport and the deputy director for the primary school was like the PE teacher so in the free lessons i used to just go and help him so i was um, working in some of the PE lessons and it was really nice to engage with the the pupils outside of the classroom so i did things like teaching the kids how to play tag rugby and cricket and i'm really glad that i did that because I had a much better experience with the school than i think i would have if i just sat in the staff room because i actually showed them that i wanted to be there I wanted to really integrate in the school life and i know you're not getting paid for those extra hours but in return they gave me so much more support they used to invite me to all their activities like some of the teachers became really really close friends with me to the point where i organized a big trip for them to come back to the uk during the easter holidays which was so much fun so i would encourage people to use that time wisely if you're a student it might be that you take yourself off and do some work towards your final year um, dissertation if you know your topic or i know for me i had to do three essays during my year to get this qualification and uh, like an international diploma so yes it's frustrating but you can use those free um periods quite wisely
1: yeah yeah, I definitely think, as, as you said, you can get a lot of a lot out of doing all those extra things. And, you know, you mentioned you may not be being paid for them. Teachers as well, you know, will go above and beyond and maybe run an extra sports club or whatever. And language assistants really should try to get involved with that type of thing as well, as much as they feel they can. I think you'll get a lot more out of the school. You get to know the pupils in a different way and you'll feel you're more part of the school community by doing that type of thing.
0: Yeah, it breaks my heart because every year we have maybe one or two assistants that will call up complaining that their school has asked them to do an extra half an hour for something and do they need to do it? Or you get paid for so many hours a week, and that is true. But for the sake of half an hour to maybe take part in a talent show or run a lunchtime club, I know it is annoying that they will ask you to do additional things outside of your hours, but I would, if you can, I'd encourage people to, to say yes to things and get involved. Now obviously if teachers are asking you to do a ridiculous amount of things regularly over your allocated hours, that's when you should start, you know, thinking about discussing it with your mentor or discussing it with the teachers at your school.
1: I agree completely another thing when I was working in Austria as a language assistant I was mainly timetable to work with older pupils in the school but I actually asked if I could go in and meet some of the younger pupils and I just did that in my own time as you said time between lessons and I got so much more out of the time in school by going into those lessons voluntarily um, in addition to my timetable and to me it never felt like an extra burden and I think it's as you say it's your way of thinking about it and thinking you're going to get something out of it as well as as the teachers and the pupils
0: should we talk about the actual lessons themselves then so do you have any tips in terms of preparing activities or lesson planning
1: Yeah, definitely. I I really think the observation period is very, very important. Um, I've worked with trainee teachers as well in the UK and sometimes trainee teachers or language assistants find that period a bit boring. Um, and actually really your thinking about that needs to change because um, th- there's so many things you can do in that time observing lessons in an active way you can be observing the teacher and um, noting down the lesson plan as you see it and um, noting down key phrases that you know that, that the pupils are aware of um, you can ask the, the teacher for a seating plan if they have it or you can figure out your own at the back of the room. You're trying to figure out people's names um, while the lesson is ongoing can sometimes um, help you remember their names. So if the teacher uses their name, you can note it down. There's so many things that you can do in that observation period. Also, where appropriate, you can go around and speak to pupils when they're doing group work and things like that. So I think that observation period is really important. Another bit of advice I would give as well is ask the teacher if you can have a look at a sample of people's books um, so you can see kind of what types of things they've been doing, even how they lay out their books, that type of thing, um, what they've done um, even in previous years. You may be able to look at a book from last year Um, look at any key resources and that will all help you gauge the level of the students English in the different classes that you're working in. And then in terms of planning as well, obviously working with your mentor teacher, um, you can use activities that the teacher has used, that the, the pupils are familiar with at the start to kind of help um, with that consistency and getting to know them. And then as you go on, you can get a bit more creative. Um, there's lots of resources on the British Council website that you can use, Um, there's actually a section called Learn English Teens, which has a lot of resources which are really aimed at teenagers as the name suggests. So do have a look online and see what you can find. Um, And also just have a few ideas up your sleeve. You can look online for some good games, even two truths and a lie, or you can bring in some dice if you like and think of some kind of simple activities you can do. Language assistants will often find that they will be working with smaller groups but it really depends on the school. You may be asked to speak to your class. Um, You may be asked to deliver part of a lesson. You may eventually be asked to deliver a full lesson if you feel comfortable with that. So it really will depend on on what you're comfortable with. Um, We have a lot of assistants who've been assistants before or have done a lot of teaching and may feel comfortable going in and doing quite a lot from the first day. And then we will have assistants who maybe have very little teaching experience. So, do you have that ongoing um, discussion with your mentor? Be honest with them, but also be open to um, learning and, and trying new things and activities as you go along. Really, such good
0: advice. I think a lot of assistants will have experience at all and um, so it's their first time in the classroom so I think it's utilizing things that are already available most of the topics language assistants will have to teach well they'll have a wealth of resources online and I think it's encouraged I'd encourage assistants to use what's already there where possible so that you save yourself a lot of time every year I, I hear of assistants creating presentations about the UK and that kind of thing or the royal family when actually if they go online there's probably hundreds of different presentations on the same topic that they could just utilise. And um, it saves people a lot of time and you can just adapt it to your needs.
1: Yeah definitely and you know you can be really creative in teaching and spend a lot of time you know making resources and if you think that's going to pay off in terms of the pupils learning great but if it's not then don't put too much into it as you say there's a a lot of stuff out there and there's a lot of activities that you can use and adapt for different lessons and, and use some strategies that the teacher has used with the pupils and maybe adapt that to a different topic as well so without going overboard. Thinking carefully about how you plan and structure your lessons is sometimes more important than having lots of um, a beautiful PowerPoint and really thinking about what the pupils have done in previous lessons um, and what kind of topics they're confident with and then how they can progress on in the lesson, what new things are you going to introduce? So think about who you've got in the class and what they're learning as well as how interesting the lesson will be as well. I'd also encourage people just to think about some time filler games. So it's often assistance,
0: you might end up going to a class and the teacher's late, or the teacher might have to leave the classroom to do something and you'll be left with their kids on your own for 15 minutes. Definitely have a list of games and time filler activities up your sleeve that you know if you're put in front of the class, you've got something that you can do. So anything like board race games where the kids are in two teams and they have to come up to the board and write a word on a topic. So you might say fruit, they have to run up to the board, write a fruit, come back and then the next person goes. Anything competitive like that's good. Classics like Hangman as well. So I think a list of activities you know you can do with no materials that could be adapted to any topic that if you're put in a sticky situation or even if you've prepared activities and the kids get through it quite quickly you've got things that you can do to buy you some time to think of what's going to come next or at the start of the lesson just to energize them
1: yeah that's a really really good idea and i think that can throw some assistance when you know if the, the teacher is a little bit late or they're asked to suddenly um I don't know, speak to the class for five, 10 minutes. It is a really good idea to have a few ideas up your sleeve.
0: So should we talk a little bit about working with pupils?
1: Yeah, Um, so definitely, as I mentioned before, learn the pupils' names as best you can. It it won't be easy because you'll be working with lots of different classes, um, but if you can get a list of the names from the teachers, that will really help. Also, anytime you speak to a student, if you don't know their name, ask them, because once you actually speak to someone, you're a lot more likely to remember their name than if it's off a list. So that would be one of the most important things to do. get to know the pupils' names. Um, Also, without worrying too much about getting into too too many details about specific pupils and do find out if there are any additional needs in the class or anything like that you know if there if there's any pupils who maybe have a hearing impairment or anything like that you may want to get that information from the teacher really that will be the teacher's responsibility to oversee all of that but language assistants should be aware if there's any pupils um, with particular needs that, that they should be aware of so that's quite important too. And then also just generally be friendly and approachable, but also be aware that you're not the pupil's friend. So that if you've never taught before, um can take a wee bit of getting used to, particularly if you're working with older pupils. So just be really aware of that and you know if you've got any concerns, speak to your mentor straight away. So, you know, you're going to be doing conversation classes, probably, amongst many other things, and they can be slightly less formal than, than a lesson. So be aware that, you know, you still are a language assistant um, in the school and that is your role. So be aware of that all the time. Um, and another thing you can do is get to know people's interests and hobbies. and Where appropriate, you can bring that into lessons and even ask pupils to, to bring in something um, that can serve as a discussion point. So that can be really helpful as well. I think what you said about
0: you're there to be a teacher, not their friend, it's a really important point and I think assistants need to consider that they set their stall out in the first week, so how you interact with the pupils in the first week really will determine how that they respond to you in the rest of the year. I think my friend um, made this mistake maybe when she was an assistant that she was working with older students and she'd never really taught before and she had to do a lot of group work outside of the classroom and she was way too nice to them at the start. And then from then on, they would always, like, argue with her and things like that. So say she had to an activity, they'd be like, no, we're tired, we're tired. Can we just play this game or do this game? Mm-hmm. And I think Because she'd allowed them to dictate the activities that they wanted to do at the start of the year. It made it really hard for her to then kind of change that mentality and get them to do what she wanted. So do set out your stool early. It's easier to become nicer through the year and more flexible than it is to start off super super nice and allowing them to choose what they want to do but then subsequently becoming I don't want to say strict because it's not about being horrible I say it's like assertiveness
1: yeah definitely and you know just really simple things like waiting for quiet until you speak to the students all of those things will if you if you do that from early on that will have a a positive impact and as you mentioned you may be in another room to the class Um, and sometimes you know that can cause problems particularly if there's been any issues at the start of the year so um, don't let things drag on speak to your mentor if if there's any problems Um, and as you mentioned there you try to start as you mean to go on and that is a really good piece of advice.
0: And then do you have any tips in terms of uh, teaching the language so not all of our language assistants will actually be kind of linguists so increasingly now Countries like Spain are looking for people from a wide variety of backgrounds, not just necessarily people who've done language degrees. Any tips on actually teaching English?
1: Yeah. um, So one thing, first of all, to mention is your accent. So you'll hear I'm from Northern Ireland. And when I first went to Austria, um, the students had never met anyone from Northern Ireland or or Ireland before. And I I didn't change my accent, but I was aware of it. Um, the, The speed that I was speaking with, any particular words I was using. So it's just something definitely don't change your accent, but be aware of it. And particularly at the start, pupils will get used to your accent as the year goes along. But maybe at the start, just keep that in mind. So that's kind of the, the first thing I would be aware of. And then also just generally, as I mentioned before, thinking about the different levels of English that you, you might be teaching in different classes. Um, so looking at textbooks can be really, really helpful. What kind of phrases and um, tenses and things like that are, are pupils familiar with? You might find that um, younger pupils mainly are using the the present tense. So you might want to kind of try to keep activities in that. But also, um, assistants will be aware of this, um, the level of English will be a lot higher, um, generally, than, for example, the level of French is in some secondary schools over here. Um, It isn't always the case, but a lot of the time it is. So, you know, listen carefully to the, the level of English that the pupils are using when you're observing, and you may find that you can plan activities that are slightly more challenging than you thought. Um, But if you ever notice that pupils are struggling, always have a bit of a plan B in mind as well. Um, And obviously that just comes down to experience and and careful planning. I think
0: so another bit of advice that i got given um it's actually from our colleague jerry in scotland is like always check before you set the kids off on a task that they understand so often if you look at a class and say do you understand you'll have 30 40 kids looking at you just nodding like i they won't say whether they've understood or not and then suddenly set them off thinking they know what they're doing and all chaos breaks like breaks out so it's always worth when you set a task asking the pupils OK, so what do you have to do? Asking them to explain back or even just demonstrate what they have to do with them or get them to demonstrate things in front of the class. That, that type of, of activity before you actually set them all off can make sure that you know that they truly understand what they're supposed to be doing.
1: Definitely and if you're setting them off in a particular activity always do an example if there's a board you know you can write an example on the board if that would be helpful um, you can do thumbs up if, if uh, pupils understand, thumbs to the side if they're not sure. Cool so we've got given
0: loads and loads of advice do you have any last minute tips for people that are taking part in the
1: program? I would say just don't worry. I think sometimes assistants kind of get very nervous about their first few days in school and try to enjoy it as best you can and get to know the teachers, get to know the pupils as best you can. You'll have good days and bad days as well. Um, It can be a very busy environment. So try to just kind of, as we've mentioned before, get involved as best you can and see that really as your major focus of your time um, as an uh, an assistant yes you're there to learn the language and the culture and everything else and it is equally as important but really a large chunk of your time is going to be spent in school and you want that to be as successful as you can so make the most of it try not to worry too much and um, try to get involved in as much as you can.
0: And another tip I have and this comes out of me seeing the analytics of who's listening to our podcast we've actually got a lot of American listeners and I think that might be because the, there's a big programme that goes to Spain, so lots of Americans go and teach in Spain. But whatever Anglophone you're from, it's important that you check the, the English that the school is teaching. So I know for a lot of schools in Europe, it's likely that they're learning British English. In countries like Latin America, it might be that they're learning American English um, and that's what they're going to get examined in. So whilst you are there to make sure that you're an ambassador for uh, your country and you want to impart lots of your cultural knowledge, it is important that you just triple check their examination or how they're gonna be examined and the English that they are expected to learn. So I have had stories where we've got uh, assistants from the UK, maybe in Latin America, correcting all their kids' spellings from American to English, uh, so British English, but they were subsequently gonna be examined according to American spellings or American uses of words. And I've also heard the same uh, going on in Spain where American assistants have been doing the same in teaching the kids American English words when actually if they go into the exam, they could get vocabulary that's very British English. So that's just another thing that I would um, ask people to watch out for. So if you're unsure, check with your mental teacher. And as much as it's annoying, because we're all very proud of where we're from, and how we speak and our accents it is important that you do make sure that you're preparing your students for their
1: examinations that they're going to take that's a really good point. And actually, when I worked in Austria as a language assistant, there were quite a lot of American assistants that came over. And one of them in particular actually worked in a forestry school in Austria. And um, so he had to plan lessons that were very different to the type of thing I was planning. Um, I'm not sure if it w- if it was American English or, or British English, but certainly the content of the lessons was very, very different. So in that sense as well, do you make sure you kind of know what the pupils are working towards, what exams are doing, and that, that everything is relevant and useful to them.
0: So I think we've had a really, really good discussion. Um, thanks so much for joining me, Beth.
1: It's been a pleasure. Thank you for organising it. It's
0: And just from me, before we finish the podcast, I just encourage all of the language assistants to check out their country notes uh, for the country that they're going to. So everyone will have received a country information pack. And in those country notes, we put links to resources and things that you need to know about teaching. So they will be individualized for the country that you're going to. So do check them out. As you said before, make sure you're utilizing uh, resources that are online. So particularly look at the British Council Teaching English site, they have different sites for different levels, so they've got Junior, they've got Team, there's pre-made games, there's even lesson plans activities. Utilise what's already there because it make your life a lot easier. And my final thing would just try to embrace your role as much as possible. Get involved in your school as much as you can, say yes to things where you can, don't be afraid to sh- uh, suggest ideas if you don't think it's being utilised enough speak up and yeah really enjoy your role but uh thanks again beth it's been lovely to talk to you and uh okay thank you all the best you've been listening to the language assistance podcast brought to you by the british council For more information about the British Council or the Language Assistance Programme, please visit BritishCouncil.org. Or why not follow the Language Assistance Programme on Twitter at LanguageASST.